Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan, and welcome to the Folk Podcast, Episode 8. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about The Gathering. We have all just come back from it. We've all just experienced it. We're all still processing it. So now it's time to talk about it. We recorded our episode with Andrew where we talked about our expectations going into it. And I'm pretty sure all of our expectations were blown completely out of the water. Um, so our guest this week is Chris, who was at the gathering with us. Um, he actually drove the furthest out of anyone. He drove all the way from Montana to be there. Um, so Chris, if you want to go ahead and start us off, tell us about yourself a little bit and maybe a little bit about that journey for you. Yeah, my name's Chris. Uh, I joined the Wisdom of Odin community in August. I've been practicing as a Norse pagan for about 12 years and acknowledging the existence of the gods and studying them for about 12 years. Uh, I'm a tier follower, and this weekend's journey was something else. It was supposed to be about 22 hours, turned out to be almost 25 and who it was a long ride but the crazy part about it is is that whenever i actually got there i wasn't even tired so like when did you actually go to bed that friday night like did you even sleep i don't think i ever saw you sleep once so i uh i drove like 25 almost 26 hours to get there um the community's so freaking awesome that they stayed up on the Discord chat with me literally the entire time. Like there were people who were not even going to the gathering that stayed up on voice chat with me just to keep me awake so I could drive through. And then I get there and it was like 11-ish Eastern Standard Time and I didn't go to bed until almost 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so it was it was definitely a long run. Um, so one thing I do want to, you know, just bring up just cause I thought it was so cool. Cause I didn't realize you were doing it. Um, but when you first got there, you still had your headset in and I didn't think anything of it. And then later you told me, you're like, oh no, I'm still on the chat. I wanted them to hear the greeting. Um, and I thought that was just so cool. I mean, what, you know, how was everyone's reaction to that? Like hearing everyone just like charge at them. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I did that as kind of like a thank you for helping keep me awake. I felt they deserved to hear that because I knew it was going to be something crazy like i knew it was going to be awesome but i had no idea it was going to be the way that it was uh, i got probably 15 messages from people just talking about how awesome it sounded and how they were so upset that they couldn't be there and wishing me the best for the weekend one uh one of my favorite parts of the video um that was that is just sitting here on my computer waiting uh for monday for it to come out uh, is when you first get there, I get on video, you see an Ian for the first time and you guys just like tackling each other. And it's just the most pure pagan thing I've ever seen. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, but before we move into the gathering, I do want to open up the, the table, you know, the floor to everyone here, to all the co-hosts. If you guys have any questions about Chris on his journey before we dive into the gathering, now's your time. Do we have anything to ask Chris? Uh, so Chris, uh, I know we've talked a lot, but I don't believe I ever actually asked you like how you got into Norse paganism, like where you started with it, who spoke to you first, you know, all that. Uh, yeah, um, I would say that I would say that my journey on Norse paganism got pretty intense whenever I was in the military and I was deployed overseas. Um, prior to that, though. I actually went with my grandmother whenever I was like 16 years old and we went to Switzerland to see the other half of my family that never came to the United States. They have a different last name than us. My great, great, 
great grandfather actually changed our last name whenever he moved to America in the 1870s. Um, while we were there, there was a book, like a, a, a giant book. Like I've never seen a book this big in my life. And it literally detailed our family history back a couple of centuries. And there was all kinds of stories of like Norse gods and Norse paganism and like how people came to find them and, and their patrons and their matrons. Like it was like a chronological order of our family and their history with Norse paganism. So after that, I was super interested and I always wanted to study it and I always wanted to learn it. And more and more time passed by and I acknowledged them, but I never really felt drawn to practice. And then first ever elk hunt, is actually what led me to start practicing. We've already heard Chris's, um, you know, coming into the gathering, uh, you know, hearing that welcome, but you weren't the only one to make a long journey. I mean, Sherd and Ian also made quite the epic journey across the country to get there. So gentlemen, let me uh, open the floor to you. How was your journey and what were the things going through your head as you were getting closer and closer um, to this place we were holding this gathering at? Uh, yeah, so for me coming from New Mexico, it wasn't too much of a different uh, trip with as Chris's. I think mine was probably about, it turned out to be about the same as uh, as his in that like 20, 22, 24 plus hour drive. And yeah, the whole time, like having the, having the voice chat open and having everybody just being super supportive and kind of just talking about just normal things that keep you awake and, and whatnot definitely helped. But yeah, the whole time it was that constant wondering of what's going to happen at this gathering, you know, like who's going to be the first people that I see, you know, who's, who's going to be the first group of people that I talk to about things and just starting to really connect with the people that we've talked about for so, or talked to for so long in the discord and voice shots like that. And finally meeting, you know, each other that are part of this podcast and everything. It was just, it's definitely something that kept me fueled and going. And I ended up only sleeping for maybe like two hours ish, two, three hours at the back of my car and some uh, rest stop. And oh, I think I was, I think I had just, I was just on the outskirts of like Tennessee. I think it's where I was, but I pushed through pretty far. And yeah, like that's all I needed to keep going. It was like that two, three hours of sleep. And then I ended up, you know, finally getting there. But uh, it, it did let me kind of prepare myself as best as I could. Like you said before, Jacob, I definitely was not prepared uh, for what ended up happening. Uh, but I did my best. Let's let's put it that way. I definitely did my best to prepare myself for what was to come. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like Chris and Ian said, thank you to everybody on the Discord for talking to us, for making this journey. Uh, that definitely did help. And uh you know, thank you, Jacob, for allowing us to come to this gathering first off. Um, but it was just like driving there, each state getting closer and closer to that destination. And you're just sitting there like, okay, you know, 30 more hours or 30 more minutes or however many more miles. And it's just ticking down. You're like, I can't believe I'm actually going here to meet other people who believe in the gods like I do. And we're going to have this awesome weekend. Matter of fact, I ended up somehow getting behind Chris and we ended up coming in pretty much at the same time. So Chris was the first person I, I ended up meeting 
uh, besides Ian who came the night before and stopped by my house for a minute. And, uh, but just that welcome thing, like as soon as like we got out of the vehicle and stuff, Chris just walked over there and just hugged me, just wrapped around and immediately hugged me. And it just was great, man. Like if you ever get a chance to go to one of these gatherings, it's amazing because I, the, the only thing that I'll tell you this, as far as going to a gathering and when you start meeting us, it's home. That's just the best thing I can describe it as is coming home. So what's the worst? Is it the drive there or the drive back that suck the most? Hands down, the drive back. The yeah. drive back was absolutely yeah. awful. I uh, Like the whole way back, uh, actually, it, it was 1,400 miles from the gathering in Kentucky to my front doorstep. And I hit like that thousand mile mark it was like a thousand thousand one hundred somewhere in that range and it was like all of my energy just left my body every bit of the energy that i still had even though i had barely slept all weekend i was completely exhausted my body was worn out spiritually mentally emotionally i was just exhausted i still had like this energy it was like i was getting it from everyone at the gathering and then i hit that thousand mile threshold and me and Ian both had to pull over and take like a four or five hour nap to make it the rest of the way home. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that because it, it was weird. Like it, it definitely felt like we were going the wrong direction. That entire drive, it felt like we were trying to be trying to be pulled back to go back to the Kentucky to go back to that spot. And yeah, I I agree. I feel like because it was about the same time that both of us were just like, we have to stop. Like we have to stop and rest. And I think that was probably the most realistically, that's probably the most that I think either one of us had slept, you know, up until that point. Cause it turned out to be like, well, for me, it turned out to be like another four, three or four hour nap compared to what I, we were both planning. Like, Oh, we'll just sleep for like two hours. We'll wake each other back up, get hop back onto a discord or call each other and then keep going. But yeah, once we hit about that thousand mile mark, it was, it just all that energy that was left in you was gone. But yeah, I, I would say there was a constant pull to just turn around, just constant. Like if somebody had been like, hey, we're going to stay another like so many days, I would turn around immediately without a second thought, you know, if I could have. Yeah, definitely was a drive back because like even though we, we still had the Discord family going and stuff like that, you were leaving what felt natural. Like I haven't, anyone who's been at the gathering has said like they don't feel right coming back to the normal world or what this what most people consider normal because to me the gathering that was normal that was home that was family so baker to pull you in here before we uh dive deep into the days dive deep into what happened how was it for you your third gathering i mean my third gathering as well but um people hear me talk enough so what how was how was your expectations going into it and then how did this gathering shatter those expectations because i know it did for all of us Expectations going into this one, I knew it was going to be something really different for me and just powerful in general because I was actually going to lead a ritual for the first time. And it ended up being really uh, intense, primal, and crazy, <laughs> for lack of better words. Odin's madness ran wild. This is probably the best way to put it. But uh, it's just, it's like going back, it's like finally being able to see your family again, like you're, you know. People that you couldn't, you can't imagine leaving without, and then three days later you have to leave, and you're not going to see them again for another three months or something like that. Except this lovely podcast family that I, I get to see their faces every week. 
it's something that I always look forward to. And I mean, even if it's just a voice call or something like that, I always look forward to seeing my folk. I mean, honestly, after we came back from this, I just kept calling. I kept saying my tribe, my tribe, my folk, my family, my everything. My wife's like, you need to calm down a little bit. So no, I'm not. <laughs> dude, it's, it's been impossible to calm down. Um, this Dude, Jason the Unchained Man, he is just going crazy. He messages me like every day. Just like, I still feel it. I still hear the drums. <laughs> dude, for uh, like the first... Uh, the first couple of days, it's like literally if I saw certain pictures or I, I heard a drum or a how long sun come on that was kind of like real chanty and deep. It's like, I don't know, my head started going back in and I started just moving with it. Like I could feel like my soul start to like howl and start running with these messed me up. <laughs> I have to stop it and leave. <laughs> um, so to transition over to talking about it, because I know everyone's just so tired of hearing us talk about the drives. They want to hear about the meat. They want the, the meat and potatoes of what actually happened. Um, so I figured what would be a good way is just go day by day, um, and talk about, so we were there for three days, technically, you know, we, we got there at four on Friday, but I mean, shoot, most of us didn't even go to bed till like five in the morning. So it was a whole day. So Friday, when we first get there before a lot of the magical start stuff started happening, I mean, honestly, even that night, a lot happened. Um, but I want to share one of my favorite memories. And I think it had to been when Chris, me, you and Jonathan Parker and Tara, we're down in the like the Freya altar area where we had like an altar set up in the woods. Um, and it's where we saw all those glow worms. Um, Cause I have never seen a glow worm before in my life. And I mean, I live in Kentucky and I've never seen one and it literally looked like the grass was glowing. I mean, it was, it was so surreal. Like I kept on thinking of uh, like James Cameron avatar, like the forest and that, cause that's what it looked like. But yeah, you would look down and you would see the, uh, the grass glowing and then you would look up and you would see all the stars in the sky. So it was such, such a surreal moment and of course uh we had such a deep conversation there we were all talking diving deep into spirituality um and having a lot of big talks so to me you know it, wow, man i don't even know if that's my favorite thing there's so much to talk about but to me that's one of the moments will stand out is seeing those glow worms because that truly felt like something magical yeah um <laughs> there's quite a few moments friday night from the time i got there that just kind of blew me away like my initial arrival is probably the one thing that I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, it's not very often in your life that you get to walk into a room of like 30 other people and everyone greets you like you're, you're, you're literally their brother. Like you were born together and spent your whole life with them. Not to mention, like you said earlier, mine and Ian's tackle slash hug thing that happened. But at the same time, I agree with you on the glowworms. Like that for me was a super surreal experience because like I've been talking to Jonathan for quite some time and like him and I have really connected, made a strong connection through the discord over the last several months. So like here I am just one day, just a Friday. And now I'm laying on the ground surrounded by glowworms, staring at the stars, talking about spirituality with the guy who, orchestrated the entire thing who like on discord itself like you're just kind of like wow i really hope i get to meet that guy one day and then also a guy who i wholeheartedly consider a brother of mine and we're just sitting out there just talking about spirituality and the cosmos and everything else that comes up and it's really surreal to be sitting there and just be like holy crap jacob's like three feet from me so that was definitely a big moment for me too I think I completely missed the glowworms. I think that was when we were doing, I think I did. I think I completely missed them. Um, but I think uh, it was when we were doing that big drum circle. And I just, I got into that thing. 
I got a blister on my hand and all from that little drum handle. Um, I think that was when, I don't know, I guess that was when Ian and Sheridan uh, Chris got there. I know it wasn't long after that. That was when Forrest came down. And in fact, the first time that I realized he was there, he came down and laid down like next to us while we were doing that drum circle. And just to see him just kind of sit there and relax, it was really kind of awesome. With how kind of I don't know, kind of how like how he carries himself with everything else. It was it was a bit odd just to see him kind of just come in and just straight go to like a relaxing thing. Yeah, um, Friday night, like what what blew me away, like you said, is the the conversations immediately. You go in there, everybody's hugging you like your family. And then, you know, all these different people you've been spending months talking to, uh, they're, they're talking to you now face-to-face. And I'm getting to meet a lot of the other people there, like in the, the Norse Path, uh, Amanda, Jonathan, you know, Ian, Chris, you, Jacob, Caleb, all y'all for the first time. It was just amazing, not, not only just meeting y'all, but like the dialogue and learning from each and every one of you at this gathering uh especially friday night like just the different conversations we had about numbers the gods cosmos just i mean the list can go on and on because we literally didn't sleep at all that entire friday night yeah so the first night at least for me um quite a lot happened right away uh, i do remember like initially getting to the cracker barrel where a lot of people had the first group of people that had been there um, were sitting and meeting, and you know, there was probably about six of us, I think. So it was really nice to kind of get, you know, to start meeting everybody from there. And apparently, everybody thought I was a lot smaller than I am, probably based off of my voice. I remember Jacob coming up to me for the first time and being like, "You're a lot taller than uh, I initially thought," which was seemed to be a regular thing for a lot of people there. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, like coming up to those to the grounds where that house was at, it's you know it was down like a dirt road. I honestly missed it because I thought I was going through somebody's, cutting right through somebody's property. And as you're going down this road, you just start to see those trees lining up this road, and then you come up to the house and you see the gazebo in the center of this little driveway, and you just you truly start to see how much. Uh, you know nature is around that area and just how secluded and honestly it felt really surreal it felt like you were going into the beginning of like a children a child's fairy tale book in a sense and that first night yeah i spent quite a bit of time in the trees out there i know i heard jacob talk about it what one point when I was just, as I was wandering back off into the woods, I heard him off in the distance say, isn't that like the sixth time Ian's gotten to, gone into the woods? And I want to say it was within that first day. Um, but yeah, those woods just kept pulling me back and pulling me back. And that's where a lot of the, a lot of the power, a lot of the magic happened was just these random trails that were on this property and that led to a creek. Uh, you know, the first, the first big experience down in those was with, uh, Jason and Kristen, we went down there to do his offering to Angel the Boda. And that's, that's, I feel like when a lot of the big time woo and power started happening. And it was, it was just interesting to like, we went out there wandering these trails at night, completely dark. Our eyes are barely adjusted to anything at this point. And we happened to come across a clearing and all the three of us just sit down 
and end up laying down staring up at the stars and you know we're just sitting there kind of talking really slowly so starting to get the feel for the the environment that we were in and Kristen coaxed Jason to say a poem for her just on the fly nothing written down or anything like that and you know the poem that he said for her like will be something that the three of us will have shared you know and that's it you know it wasn't anything that he wrote down afterwards and it it sounded like something he had written down and then after that he went and made his offering and shortly after that we could feel something and that's when we started noticing the glow worms because i had never seen them either and it really threw me off i caught one out of the corner of my eye near the edge of where the trees were to that clearing and i remember getting up and kind of running towards it a little bit to see like if I could catch it and I went to go grab it and there was nothing there. And I looked at my hand, looking at myself or looking back at Kristen thinking, am I insane? Like, did I really see this? And she had seen it too. And we were trying to figure out what we were seeing and what we were trying to get. And uh, we kept seeing them popping up every now and then just constantly. And uh, we ended up going deeper into these, down these trails and down to these trees. And yeah, again, we like that first trip, we were just stumbling uh, down through the darkness. Like we were all three of us were holding hands, tripping over each other, you know, it was kind of like that. We were stumbling down through these trails, you know, holding hands and just trying to find our footing. And we came across a portion where the creek started and we came across that well with those three trees. And it seemed like what light there was that was touching those trails just stopped completely and it was just it was very dark you really couldn't see anything but you could feel everything you know we thought okay this is this is far enough when we're gonna start heading back and as we're heading back is when we heard that drum circle that was going on and it was almost like that drum circle was leading us back through the darkness like we were able to kind of walk through those those trails a little bit smoother and a little bit easier because we had this this guiding sound of drums and chanting that everybody was doing and it happened to be that that circle that had just started out of nowhere um but i'll i never forget the the sight of going back up that trail and the way that the trees kind of blended in with the dark and it seemed like we were coming through a tunnel at least to me i, I kind of I remember pointing it out but we hear these drums and we're coming up to the top of the hill and as as soon as we break through like where the trees start and end and back onto the main part of the property we look up to our left up the hill a bit and we see this little i believe it was a candle that was in a, a little metal container that had a bunch of cool cutout designs and stuff in it and just seeing about i feel like it was every for the most part everybody that was there just gather around in a circle and there was a couple of people on drums a couple of people singing and chanting and stuff like that and it was it was at that moment i think right there that i realized we're kind of fully set in that this is where i was at like this was the gathering you know and everything was starting up because that the sound of those drums and just that ambiance was it was surreal and very ethereal and I believe that's actually shortly after that when I had my first kind of conversation with you, Jacob, one-on-one. Because -on -one. I remember you were up on the top deck and I had just kind of walked up there next to you and you kind of started asking me about how I felt about everything so far, even though we were only maybe like 
four or five hours in. <laughs> but yeah, that for me, that first part of the night, that's that was really intense. And then of course, when Chris came up and Sherd showed up, I remember I was downstairs. I was actually on my way coming up the stairs. And I thought I heard somebody yell, Oh, Chris and Sherd's here. And it's actually Kristen yelled down. She was like, Ian, Chris is here. They come from, and I was like, because I wanted to surprise him, hoping you know he didn't know where I was at. And yeah, I remember like creeping up the stairs as quietly as I could and just kind of like peeking around the corner and give him that like uh look. And yeah, it was I'm honestly surprised that we did not knock anybody or anything over besides ourselves. Like because <laughs> you came at me with some power behind that hug and everything, but I guess rolling into like, uh, if, if there's anything else anyone wants to bring up about day one, now's your time. Uh, I was just going to add um, just kind of the funny things. Like it's not all serious and magic. Like it eventually became a lot of serious and magic, but day one was a lot about, you know, like fellowship and community. Um, you know, I, we made fun of Andrew a lot in uh, my podcast with Forrest and I'll make fun of him again because that boy passed out so fast uh, on that cold, cold concrete ground. Uh, like uh, Heath was given his story time and then everyone just looked over and Andrew's just passed out mead horn tank to the side with all the mead spilling out just dead (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh it was just so hilarious Um, I mean there was just so many funny things and you know like the small things is like all the guys like shoot probably like six or seven people brought pipes to smoke and they were all smoking pipe tobacco on the porch Um, you know the drum circle was playing there was rain sticks there was a you know a tagala harpa um we didn't even have a fire the first night we were all just like you know sitting out and enjoying the the cool night air uh so to me like day one truly was about fellowship i mean there was definitely some magic starting we definitely started summoning some stuff the gods started to show up uh weirdly enough i got a text from somebody that the gods uh that odin himself was supposed to arrive at three it was like a very auspicious text and i was like oh that's very strange and then sure enough at like three o'clock i think it was me Chris, Drew, and um, I think it was Jason, and we all ended up at the pond. This oh like, yeah, yeah. We went down there and kneeled. Okay, it was there. you then. Yeah. Yeah, you brought. Yeah, I think we were we were sitting there, and you uh, you came up to us. And I think it was right after you had your moment in the forest, um, yeah. where you went to go talk with Odin. You're like, if you want to go meet Odin, come with me now. It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, and I think we all did because we all sat there and just looked. I mean, that was the best we saw the stars to me the entire time because the rest of the time, the moon was out. Like that night, the moon wasn't around. So we could see the stars so well. And in that spot next to that pond, I mean, we could see everything. Uh, And it truly was just like a really magical moment until Forrest almost fell into the pond, which was just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he didn't even know we were there on the podcast yesterday. He was like, wait, you guys saw that? I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what did he mean you didn't know you were there Casey would literally come up to me and Ian was asking him where you went we're like oh he went in the woods to see Odin well they, <laughs> they didn't know we were by the pond though uh, uh, so moving into day two um, what were you guys uh, how were you guys feeling on day two what, what, what was day two for you well I was uh, part of the pop crew that stayed up literally all night Friday night um, and didn't go down until I passed out sometime um, Saturday night or Saturday morning, but we stayed up. We had a, I can't really talk about the conversation because it was, I got asked not to share the subject um, that the brother brought up, but it was, it was really deep. We had a lot of like fatherly kind of talking advice and things like that. I really felt bad for the guy. Um, hopefully everything gets worked out and everything. I know he's working with a couple guys just to try to get that fixed, but hope everything works out for him. I'm sure he, if he hears this, he'll know I'm talking about him. Um, but we just had to like some really good, I don't know, like a really good brotherhood moment with that. 
And then first thing, once it started getting light, honestly, I don't remember much of Saturday morning. I just remember, I just remember knowing that I had to prepare for my ritual and that I thought that I was going to need of the majority of the day for that. And I was very wrong. I only needed like an hour. And then I was like, um, I was a forest spirit for <laughs> like six hours before that Odin's blow. Oh, one thing I, we forgot to mention from night one, I think night one is where most of the drinking took place, where at least the majority of people did take place in drinking. Because um, traditionally what we know about fall is that it was very similar to modern day Oktoberfest. It was a lot of drinking, a lot of feasting, and there was fires. So we managed to have all three of those things, but they weren't the central theme, nor do I think they should have been. I mean, we, we definitely had a great weekend spiritually, but we did also drink quite a bit. Um, we brought, I know uh, Heath and Eden brought five gallons of blueberry mead, uh, and we drank most of that in one night. In addition to ghost chili mead, I think we drank two bottles of ghost chili mead, uh, and like one bottle of another one. So we easily drank like, yeah, four or five gallons of mead the first night, uh, which is just ludicrous. Um, and uh, I was very hungover Saturday morning. I know we're not really trying to talk about Yule yet, but I am going, I'm starting to um, get into making some mead. It won't be ready by this Yule. But Ostara, Midsummer, you know, might have some mead for the for the Kentucky Tennessee Fellowship. <laughs> yeah, I have to say for the second night, like I actually the second day, I got up relatively early. Like that's the one thing that I noticed the most about the entire weekend is I really didn't sleep as much as I thought I would or even like I normally would. Now I know that's partially because there was 30 people all you know, in stages of waking up or just now going to bed in one house, but I never felt really like tired, never felt really inclined to get up, um, you know, late or sleep in. And I remember waking up the Saturday morning to the smell of, I believe it was you cooking breakfast, Jacob, if I'm not mistaken, it was you and a few other people. That's what woke me up, I think. I was Spicy like, oh. sausage, it gets them all up. Yes. Yeah, that's what it was. I think it was those spices. I woke woke me up. I was like, oh, food. And you know, and just seeing everybody, you know, that was just kind of starting their day and everything, just sitting around calmly, you know, talking out on the, the patio, out on the deck, you know, in the kitchen and everything like that. Like it was just really nice. It was like waking up during a big family like holiday kind of a situation where everybody's just casually like sitting around, some people still in their pajamas and stuff like that with coffee or tea and just eating, you know, what was made at the time and just conversating. Yeah, the day gradually escalated as the night went on. I won't go too much into it until everybody else kind of gets their their bit in. But for me, that was honestly that later that night is where I made probably one of the biggest decisions and biggest moves that I've ever done in my life. And I will never forget that moment with the oath ring ceremony. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But the day started just like any other American day with some sausage, with some coffee, um, a beautiful yes. morning air, uh, and ended with some fire. But we'll mm. get to that soon. And shirts, <laughs> chainsaw, snoring. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, uh, you could definitely saw some trees with those snores. Well, I'm a logger by trade. So, I mean, I get it earnest. Um, but Saturday for me was probably the best day because. Uh, I, I remember Caleb was already up, like he said. So I found Caleb and I was all right. So when do you want to do the Thor's blow? Because we, we had planned this out. And uh, that's so I got him, our Russian grandmother, who we've already had on the podcast, Blade, and the Norse Path, Dylan, who 
hopefully one day we'll be able to have on the podcast here. Uh, but all four of us before, like it was right at sunrise, we went into the woods. Um, we found the perfect spot uh, for an offering to Thor. And then we each gave an offering to Thor. And uh, I, that's where I did my personal offering there to Thor. And uh, then we went up there to the house and did some tattoo work. So I, I gave an oath to Thor in both steel and flesh. So, but that was probably the best like day for me, like Saturday. So speaking on funny things that happened, everyone, like how they told Ian that he was bigger than they thought. Everyone told me that I was smaller than they thought. And as far as Andrew's concerned, being passed out drunk, covered in dew in the early morning air, uh, I'm the one that actually had to move him to a bed so that way he didn't end up sick the rest of the weekend because he was most definitely passed out. He wasn't moving anywhere on his own. Um, I slept down the hill in a tent, me and a couple other folks who were a part of the northern region. um, We all slept down there in tents. And I just remember like going to bed at like 5.30, almost 6 o'clock and waking up sometime close to about 10. And I go up the stairs and everybody's like, oh, good morning. You know, how'd you sleep and everything else? I go inside. Somebody's already got a cup of coffee waiting on me because they heard me outside. I mean, it was just awesome. And I'd say Saturday, since I got there so late Friday, Saturday was like a lot of the a lot of the fellowship for me like I spent a lot of time just moving around talking to the different people that were there having conversations meeting and actually you know conversating with people who I've only been able to talk to on the internet and then Ian and I had quite the little journey out to Frankfurt um, whenever we go went to go get some alcohol for offerings and we ended up having our own little special bonding moment out in a cemetery and things progressed later on into the night and it just got crazy it got really heavy it got really crazy there was a lot of power and spirituality and i tried explaining it to my girlfriend whenever i got home like what i meant whenever i said that there were things walking in the woods with us gods spirits ancestors they were definitely there and you kept getting called into them and tempted to go into them yeah to touch on that little adventure that we had yeah um it started out like a very normal just run into town stop by this liquor store and as chris is looking at his gps for this liquor store he's like hey there's a cemetery where daniel boone's grave is you want to check it out real quick we've got time we didn't have to go out as far as we thought we were going to so yeah sure why not you know we so we go find this cemetery you know we start driving through it we find Daniel, we start seeing a sign for Daniel Boone's grave. Then we see another sign and it said um, Memorial for the Unborn. And we kind of looked at each other. And that's a very personal thing for me. Um, I said, we need to go check this out. So we start driving. We check out the Daniel Boone's grave. We, then we start going to that. And we just, we're following these signs. We think we're get, getting lost and doing circles. And it ends up bringing us to uh, like a perimeter road of the cemetery. And we start going down a hill and on this specific little outcropping uh, overlooking the river is this memorial. And we expected it to be, you know, maybe just a single 
you know, you know, nice stone, but it was something very generic of, you know, statement on there, not a whole lot to it. And as we roll up and we start walking up to it, it is just this massive site. And there's a statue of a woman on her, sitting on her knees with her arms outstretched, uh, almost looking like she's holding a child that's not there. And the vibes I got from that immediately, to me, being a follower of hell, like it's, it, to me, it screamed hell 100%. And right away, I didn't want to get too close to the statue just yet, but I kept looking over at it. And another part of the memorial, it was almost like a Vietnam memorial style wall with names on it. And I was the first one to walk up to it close enough to read a name. And the first name that, that I saw was, and it was spelled the proper way and everything. And I just looked at Chris was like, hey man, come look at this name on this on this uh, wall right here. And the two of us just kind of had, yeah, like a really just a deep moment with it. And then I remember just walking over to that statue and just sitting there kind of staring at it for a good, like, I don't know, probably a good 15 minutes or so. And yeah, it just, I, I feel like that definitely triggered something as far as some sort of, energy off of it because then the rest of that adventure you know stuff started happening you know little little bits of things but we could feel it and uh i remember later that day talking to parker i believe he was talking to you caleb where the two of you were just talking and you felt like something like there was just something that hit you both like something was happening and it it coincided with the time frame that chris and i were out at that uh at that memorial when we found it and I remember him, you know, he had talked to Chris about it and everything. And it was just, it was just a very intense moment, at least definitely for both of us. And for me, especially, um, yeah, it was, that was when the deep woo stuff started really happening on Saturday for me, at least. I think big thing on Saturday is when that's when a lot of the, uh, the small altars and shrines started getting put up as well. Um, I, you know, there were so many just scattered throughout the woods that I didn't even know were there. Um, and I definitely think that's what really started increasing the like the magical essence of the land around us, uh, just because we were starting to invoke and call to more gods. Uh, I believe that was the day we also gave to Freya, where it was me, Ian, Forrest, and Jason, and then with Parker as well, we all went down and gave to Freya as well in a more like larger way. So it's definitely the gods were starting to arrive for sure on Saturday. So that is actually one thing that I was going to touch on later in the podcast, but since you brought it up, that hands down is probably one of the craziest experiences I've ever seen in my life. Watching these little altars where things had been offered to who knows which God, right? Or ancestor or spirit. Like you had really no way of knowing, but just organically throughout the weekend, more and more of these altars started popping up and they were all candlelit. And you'd be walking down these trails in the dead of night with just the moonlight to light your way. And you would come up on one of these eerie little candlelit altars that's just kind of like flickering and man like the feeling you get whenever you walk up on one of these altars was just absolutely insane and it started out with like one or two and i think by the end of the weekend whenever we actually had to go and clean up everything there was like 12 or 13 of them there was a lot yeah if i'm not mistaken i believe later that afternoon is when chris and i did a little solo well, not solo, but the two of us just went out into the farther down the creek. And I think we went farther than anybody had at that moment. And that's when we came across this 
hell tree that I ended up making an altar for for hell. And Chris is the one that initially spotted it. And it was a good portion of it had died where it basically grew into the barbed wire fence that was there. And it had re sprouted and regrown a whole other section of it that was completely alive and well. And at the very base of it, it was almost like a little perfect shelf with a a bowl shape into it where um, I later came back with quite a few people to do offerings. I know, Jacob, you were there when we brought Kat and Kristen down there and Kristen and I went down there as well initially. And yeah, every time that, well, I say the two times that I went down there with people to do an offering, it was it was a very intense experience because every time we would make an offering to her, a nice like gentle breeze would would come in through those trees and you know those those freshly dying uh fall leaves would start to fall off and it would just make this really gentle like rustling sound um throughout the entire forest and whatnot and i remember from what i was told uh when i initially made my my offering to her uh a nice bit of sunlight cut through the trees like right on that spot and it was just yeah with those altars popping up like you could feel everything just starting to come alive with energy man that's one thing to bring up too is how much the environment changed just from those three days we got there i mean it looked a little bit like fall it wasn't like it wasn't crazy you know there were some trees with some yellow on it it's still actually pretty decently like warm that day like the first day we got there was pretty warm but when by the time we left like everything was getting covered in leaves there was tons of trees that were red and orange and yellow and seriously the moment we drove away it clouds rolled in and it dropped like 20 degrees I mean, it was almost instantaneous. It started raining. Like when we were at Cracker Barrel, like it was cold and wet. Um, but the entire time we were there, it was like the end of summer. Like we truly beckoned the end of summer. It was crazy. So Chris, how do you feel about that that picture I put in just just put into Discord? It seems like a oh man. <laughs> so everyone, everyone here, and then I'm, I'm sure quite a few people who listen to the podcast are all aware that I am an adamant follower of tier and have been for quite some time. Um, so it kind of just all built up for me. Like whenever I was getting ready to leave for the weekend, I couldn't find my tier pendant anywhere. All I could find was my Odin pendant because I've been connecting with him a lot lately. And then like, turns out like 14 hours later, my girlfriend calls me and she's like, well, it was right on the nightstand. I don't know how you didn't see it, but then I get down to the property for the gathering and it's just straight up Odin for me all weekend, except for the one time that I actually went and did like a very personal offering to tear after uh, Jason led a little tears bloat. And you posted that picture just a moment ago in a discord. And I'm just like, man, like that's a straight up vibe for me right now. Just the, the, yes, that one right there. The, it was, it was so crazy. Like, it was everywhere I turned. I was seeing him or I was feeling him. And then like after the ritual Saturday night, I disappeared like off into the woods by myself and got found by Tara like two hours later, just full blown trance, making an offering to Odin on my own. And like, it was just, he was everywhere that weekend, everywhere, especially with you taking us down to the water to see him which was really weird and i had to get used to you doing that walking up to me and being like follow me and then just walking away i had to get used to that that was definitely different for me but i always led you to where you needed to be though 
Oh yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Everywhere that you led me, I had another experience or every conversation that we had was like a resonating conversation for me. Like I would say a good 95% of the conversations that you and I had over the weekend, I could probably directly quote back to you like right now. Now we were talking about that a little bit with the, uh, the podcast I did with Forrest. Um, he was saying like, cause I had one like really big, like spiritual moment with him where he was struggling um, because he made an oath to Odin that didn't feel right. It didn't feel real like two months prior. And he was looking at me and he's like, I, I basically asked him like, what do you hope to accomplish this ritual this gathering? And he was kind of like, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm looking for. And I literally look him dead in the eyes. I take the knife out of my pocket, throw it down in front of him. I'm like, you know what you have to do. And he looked at me. He was like, I know what I have to do. <laughs> Which led him to doing that blood oath later that night. And that's the weirdest thing about like my role in these rituals is I'm really a facilitator for other people's spiritual experiences. Like I often have my own usually during the rituals and we'll get to that probably in hour three of this podcast. Uh, but that's the craziest thing is, you know, how much the energy and magic is thick around you. Um, and you can just really follow that and you can follow that where you need to be. Um, and that's really all I do is if I have these conversations with people where I see someone and immediately I feel in my mind, like, no, they need to be in the woods right now. I literally just go up to them. Like you need to be in the woods right now. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and then they run into the woods and almost every single time they come back. No, every single time they come back, they're like, I needed to be in those woods. <laughs> so I was actually there whenever you threw the knife down in front of forest and was like, you know what you need to do. And then not 30 seconds later, I told you about how like I couldn't find my tear pendant and everything. And you're like, well, you know what you need to do. And I pulled my knife out and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, Odin knows what he wants. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the subject, uh, since we're kind of talking, I was like, for me, like I said, that was that oath ring ceremony was the highlight of honestly, probably the highlight of my life doing something that, that intense, and that's serious. And I've talked to quite a few people that I know. I've talked to you about it, Jacob. I've talked to Sherd and Chris about it. I've talked to quite a few other people that were there. There was a certain point where I don't remember the exact words that I said. I know, but all that mattered to me was the intention and the energy that was put back, like put to it. I know what I made an oath to, and I know, I know all of that. It's just the exact words. I, I don't remember. I did end up finally asking somebody um, about it. Like thinking back on it, like I'm starting to get, you know, that, that feeling in my chest again. Um, but I just remember when we were being led through the trees by, uh, I believe it was Tara that was, yeah, Tara was leading us through the, the trees with Blade and Shirt playing drums. And it seemed like we had been going a lot deeper into the woods than we actually had did. I remember talking to Forrest about this as well, like after the fact. And uh, yeah, I felt like we were going much, much deeper into those woods. And then, you know, we come out near where the gazebo was. And I remember that kind of like pulled me out of the little, the little bit of a transitive state that I was getting into during that walk because of the, I was walking barefoot and I remember the change and texture and temperature of the ground kind of pulled me out a little bit and then I remember us lining up in front of the fire and in front of the rock and then they you know they called everybody up by by name as they grabbed the oath rings and as soon as I got in front of that fire again and I was just standing there I started just I started getting back into that that zone and that trance 
yeah, it was, it's a feeling that I don't think I will ever be able to replicate ever again, as long as I live. But having talked to several people that were there, a lot of people, a lot of them had the same general uh, feeling of, they felt the weight of what I had done and the, the weight of the oath that I had taken. You know, it, I just remember as soon as I got off of that rock and I touched that grass and I joined the rest of the folk, I took a deep breath in and a deep exhale and I just started crying. Like, as I came out of it, like I, and everything, like once it was said and done, like, I'm not afraid to admit, like I just tears started running down my face. And I remember Chris was like the first person that come up, up to me after that. And he just like grabbed me and hugged me, you know, and it was just, it was something that I will never, ever forget. So on the oath ring, I, I want to give props, you know, they're not here, but I, I want to give props to them. Uh, Jonathan, Tara and Parker put on a great oath ring ritual. Um, you know, I actually have never witnessed an oath ring ritual um, and I've never performed one. I've performed my own oaths, but never a public one. Um, and I thought they did just such a wonderful job having three representatives, one of the gods, one of the people and one of the na of nature. That is such a good way to do it, to make them swear to each of those divine presences that they will uphold the honor of the land, the people and the gods. I mean, that's such a powerful thing. And then allowing you to do your own oaths afterwards. Um, it was just such a good setup. Um, and just, I don't, all the buildup, you know, Parker just sitting there on that rock, just howling. Uh, we had the beast hidden behind him, just like howling in the woods, moving that tree, um, you know, getting everyone jazzed up. And then Jonathan came out to, you know, summon the gods and just announce what oaths were. Uh, and then just the actual taking of it with that ritual rock, which we haven't talked about here yet, but there was a ritual rock and it was awesome. It was epic. The fact there was just this giant slab of rock next to the fire that people could stand on and be like in the middle of everything. Oh my gosh. It was just the perfect setup. Um, and then I do want to talk about a little bit, if you want to Baker about the beast of Odin, if you want to, you don't have to though. I want to say a little bit about it, but I'm not going to talk much about it. I've already said it. I said before the podcast that, um, you know, if y'all want to, then we can have a little thing after it's over and talk more in depth. Um, I kind of feel like it was it was meant for who was there. Um, who saw me transform into that beast? Who saw me transform into the berserker? That was whoever was there. That was who needed to see it and who I'm, I'm glad did see it and took care of me afterwards. Um, but. Um, the big thing leading up to that was, uh, I guess the part that I can really talk about was like the, um, the transport, um, going into it beforehand. I thought it was going to take me a long time because I had never done anything like it. And I thought that, uh, it's going to take me a long time. So it was going to take me a good part of the day. And I was very wrong. I painted myself completely black, um, just for like a visual. If you, uh, have ever watched any of like the howling videos and you see the bit and you see the warriors in the back. Of like um I'll I'll here high tip the those guys that's basically what I looked like and then I had these like this blood splatter looking stuff that was this red um okra uh, this red cave paint splattered on me and I went out into the woods and with my drum and summoned I summoned the gods and everything else in and just started becoming an animal and that's what I did and I think that's all I can really say about it. Well, let me hold up this picture once again. Did you see this thing? I did not. Okay, but, I know you said little... you saw something out there, like you felt something I... there that wasn't entirely like normal. I felt the thing. I didn't see it. I could sense it and I could hear it. it whatever it was, it was huge and it was powerful. Um, but I didn't see it. It was invisible. 
but it, I was there during the daylight too. If I'd been out there at night, it would. So I to give everyone, good. yeah, you probably shouldn't have. Uh, to give everyone reference, what I keep on holding up. So I drew a picture of a of a being that I saw um, out in the woods on Saturday night after the oath ring ritual and after the Odin's bloat. Um, and it seems to be a combined experience where a lot of people saw this thing. Um, and a lot of people heard and experienced this thing in the woods. Um, and it was intimidating. I mean, I consider myself a very put together spiritual person. Um, I don't let a lot get after me. Um, I have a very strong spiritual protection of myself, but when I saw this thing, I literally broke down to my knees and I mean, it wasn't evil. It was just powerful and seeing it for the first time. I mean, straight up, I was on my knees, my blood pressure spiked, my heart rate went up. I had chills and sweats all over my body. Um, and it was, it was crazy. It was definitely something out of this world. And um, I know a few people saw it out there and I put up the picture and Chris was like, no. <laughs> and to me, the, you know, the first thing I felt was Odin. Um, but you know, I'm a little biased being an Odin follower. Um, so, you know, there's been a few, few theories what it was, but there was definitely, I mean, it, everyone there this weekend couldn't deny that there was some divine presences in those woods. Um, and it was, it was just crazy. Yeah. I don't know what exactly it was that I felt when I was out there, whatever it was, I kind of felt connected to, but at that point I was so in that I was like, I kept, like I said earlier, I was like, basically like a forest spirit. I felt like I couldn't speak. I couldn't think I was just like, I just you know, just wandered my way through the woods until I found at time that it was okay enough to come out. And then I just sat and like lurked by the edge of the woods and watched everybody for hours. Um, my biggest thing with Odin since then though, is I've had actually, I've had a weird feeling with Odin since I came back and I've never felt it before. Like I've never felt like he's proud of me and I don't know how to take this. <laughs> you, did you have that issue, Jacob? Like feeling that Odin's proud of you? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like it's a, like a very stern dad proud, but it's also a, you better keep working. Like, it's not like a take a break. It's, hey, you did good this time. The way I always describe it, and people can catch me do this. I do it at every gathering, but usually, uh, and this time it was at Odin's Bloat. Um, it was right after you did your thing, it was right after everyone was cheering, which was an amazing moment. But I always have a moment where I have a drink in my hand and I look in the distance and I look for Odin and I just take a moment and I look at him and I smile, I raise my horn and I feel him raise his horn back. And that's the moment we have. And that's usually the brightest, happiest moment I get with Odin. But <laughs> it's the, uh, we did it. We freaking yeah. did it. I feel like uh, on, my, on my drive home, he was kind of like telling, he was telling me some things and I talked to you about it. Um, I think I might've shared a little bit of the but I don't remember if I shared like the Odin part. Um, and then I got home and I've had this like weird proud thing, but I, I can tell that he's given me like a little bit of a break because of what I went through. And then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be on here in about a week or so. We'll be back to the ground. Get back to work. Really? That's what I feel like. Um, you so had your time. Do it. Yeah, the, the only other thing that I would have to add as far as day two goes, um, it was actually an experience shortly after uh, Chris apparently had his trance, um, and it was after the oath ring ceremony. I remember, you know, I just needed some time to myself to really truly realize what I had just done and let it sink in and everything like that. So I needed just to be away from everybody. I went over to where that initial like Freya altar was that, you know, we just have, I guess the initial thing that was offered there was for the Lambeteer by Amanda and Jason. Um, you know, I just kind of sat there and then Chris comes along. I don't know how long I had been laying over there. And then Chris comes along and finds me. He's like, come here, we're going to put you in a trance. And he brings me, and it happens to be where the initial Angravoda offering had been made in that general clearing. 
and he sits me down and you know starts telling me you know focus on this candle deep breaths kind of a situation you know breathe in breathe out and then when you feel that you have to look up at the moon and where the moon was at it was where i was sitting at least it was clearly poking through the trees there wasn't any obstruction and you know so i sat there and i was doing that staring at this candle and then chris gets up and walks away he ends up coming back with a drum and at this point i had looked up at the moon and it definitely threw me into a into the beginnings of a transitive state and then he started with the drums and i remember i kind of remember as i was going into it i was kind of like sitting cross-legged and i started kind of like collapsing in on myself almost and then i guess at some point i had been almost what chris describes as me being pushed back or pulled back and i was lay end up i guess laying on my back i'll just i'll briefly talk about like what i saw and what the gathered consensus is of what i saw is um i definitely stared down Fenrir, like it was, he was pretty much inches away from my face. And I just remember seeing his big, massive, glowing yellow eyes staring me down. And he kind of had this like almost sly grin on his face. And I've I've been relatively close to Fenrir in the in the past, um, mainly because Hell is my matron and just a few other experiences. And talking to a few people after that, uh, the general consensus is because it was right after the oath ring ceremony, we all generally believe that if I break my oath, that's who's coming after me, essentially. And that kind of just to instill the seriousness of what oaths are and making an oath ring or swearing on an oath ring can potentially bring upon you. And it definitely stuck because it was a very, almost like a challenge by him of, hey, try this and see what happens, kind of a situation. And I remember, when I woke up, because it was just Chris and I that started, I remember coming out of it. And there's like five other people that were just sitting around me. And I kind of like did, from what Chris told me, I did like three different takes to realize that Jacob was directly behind me, like, you know, cross-legged with his palms up in the air, basically directly over my head. And it threw me off so much because I was not fully out of it yet. And I didn't realize just how many people were, just appeared out of nowhere, like over there when I was doing that trance. I was just like, oh hi guys <laughs> this is a lot to process right now <laughs> but yeah that's the last thing i have to say about day two anything else uh got anything to add about day two oath ring or odin's bloat that was some really expensive alcohol that poured in a fire no i really <laughs> like the story behind that i mean your offering was very special and unique um do you want to dive into that a little bit oh wait no that was the that was the ritual on Sunday. Oh, that's right. That was. I forgot. We well, yeah. We you did that for the ritual on Sunday. Yeah, it was a different bottle that I poured into the fire on uh, Saturday. For me, it, it, like I, I really felt the oath ring ceremony, and I, like I went up to everyone like as soon as they came off the rock, and I just held them and hugged them because oaths are a really big thing for me. They're huge for me. So folks who were swearing their oaths it was it was it, it's hard to describe but like it hit really deep for me so as soon as they came off the rock i was there to like you know tell them like i'm proud of you um after the odin's bloat which was an experience in itself i uh i just kind of went off into the woods by myself and 
like I said earlier, I got found like an hour and a half, almost two hours later by Tara. And I went into a trance and it was most definitely a trance to where I was seeing Odin related things. And it took me a good 15 minutes of just like my whole body shaking for me to actually over like get over the trance and everything because I went so deep in it that it was hard for my body coming back out of it, which is the first time anything like that's ever happened to me, um, at least to that extent. And then like Ian said, like once I got my ground about me and everything, I just kind of came and sat next to him. And I was like, Hey bro. He's like, what's up? I was like, you want a trance? Yeah, let's go. And we ended up in the woods and then you showed up out there too, which most definitely did freak him out. He talked about it for like three days afterwards. I arrive exactly where I'm meant to be. <laughs> Last thing I want to say about the Odin book, I really wanted to share some of that whiskey with you. The beast said no. <laughs> you gave me some of it. I did? I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, you came up with me in your shadow form and we're and you just like held it in front of my face. And I'm like, thank you, beast. And I like drank some of it and I like handed it back. <laughs> No. <laughs> it was no, what I, I couldn't freaking see you so like literally i'm just standing there and all of a sudden i just see this black palm like hold out some whiskey in front of me i'm like okay sir <laughs> can i have just a little more sir um so what the, the thing a good way to close on the odin's blood thing is just how incredible that community was i mean you'll see it I mean, to, uh, when you're watching this podcast, potentially for the first time, October 5th at 3 p.m., we're doing the live premiere of the video, and you'll get to see what happened during the Odin's Bloat. I mean, it was truly powerful. Seeing all those people uh, scream around that fire, chanting, roaring, just howling at the moon, shouting Odin's name. I mean, and just endless bottles of whiskey, expensive liquors getting poured in that fire for Odin. That is powerful. Uh, and it was just, I mean, to be there in the center of all that was just, uh, it was just so much. Um, but just so this episode doesn't move too far, uh, we could probably spend just hours talking about this um, and we could write books on deciphering this weekend. Uh, but moving on to day three, um, obviously the big points of day three um, was the fire ritual. Um, but we also had, um, you know, just Parker doing more drum circles of getting people uh, jazzed up. Um, we had the young Atlas musician show up and, you know, bring his guitar and sing. And he sung an, an acoustic version of Helvigan, which is just amazing. Uh, and that's actually in the video as well. And a, a huge chunk. I got like three or four minutes of him singing it. Um, but before the, before the fire ritual, before that, you, you, uh, Ian, you guys did your hell ritual. You get, you guys went out to the woods, get hell. And we had that tears bloat as well. Uh, so I definitely want to hear uh, about those two things from you guys. Cause I really was just an observer to those situations. With the hell's bloat, um, it was just a few of us. Uh, it was mainly, I think, yeah, I think it was just three of us. Because uh, I had initially made, gone out there and set it up and did my own thing. And then Kat and Aaron finally showed up when they did. And she, Kat is also a follower of hell. And I was like, okay, you know, we're going to go out here and do this. Um, you know, and I talked to her about the spot and everything. And so the three of us went back out there. And she set up everything that she did, you know, that she brought for her and made her own offering. And it was almost in the exact response to what i had gotten the the breeze had kicked up leaves started falling through like through the trees and that just that gentle rustling uh sound and then in that area apparently there's a lot of black walnut trees 
And as we were starting to walk away, the wind picked up a little bit more and a couple of those walnuts fell from the trees. And one of them, a couple of them landed really close to where Kat was standing. So she saw it, you know, as a sign to start looking and finding them to see where, you know, which ones she could find. And she happened to find one that was really, really close to her that was perfectly uh, rotted on one side of it and completely alive on the other. You know, she immediately ran back over to where that tree was and put it in that perfectly like formed bowl. And I know, Jacob, you got some pretty good video of it. I believe I saw on the trailer. And so once yeah, people watch the video, like they'll, they'll get a good look at, see what it was like. Um, yeah, it was held again live played in the background in that part of the video. Yes. And that, so to, actually to, not to sidetrack too much, but to talk about that song, that song had something to it over that weekend. Cause I caught myself humming it constantly. And for those who know me very closely, I don't, like I don't like humming or singing or anything too musically inclined around people that I don't know. Like honestly, maybe three people have heard me like really try to sing, but for some reason I kept humming that song throughout the entire weekend. I just picked it, like for some reason it just popped in my head and I had to keep humming it and humming it and humming it. I know it freaked Chris out because he had the same situation with it as well. So I don't know, just a little side note, but that's that's basically all there really was to the Hellsboat. Like she's not much of a a showboaty goddess. She doesn't need too much. It's just that acknowledgement. And I know a lot of people really felt her. I know Jacob, you came to me and you said that you had your first experience with her during that weekend. And it's it to me, it's just nice knowing that she was getting the attention that honestly, like I think she deserves, and in a in a better light than everybody really gives her. I know Keith said he had a pretty intense experience as well. And he, I think that was one of his first experiences too. Um, so yeah, all really powerful stuff, but just keep it flowing. Uh, Chris, let's hear about the, uh, how's tears blood for you? Um, real quick, just to, not to go way too far off, but I actually had never really had much of an experience with hell prior to this weekend, but whenever me and Ian went and looked for a place to do a hell's blow, I'm actually the one who found that tree and, I'm just standing there and I'm like, Hey Ian, come look at this tree. And like about the time Ian touches it, like it just hit me. I felt it right there on the spot. And I was like, Oh, Nope, I gotta go. <laughs> and the hell vegan song road to hell. Um, yeah, I still can't listen to it right now as, as the moment currently sits, I cannot listen to that song. It shivers down my spine and I have no idea why. Um, the tears bloat was awesome. Um, Jason grabbed a couple of us up. Um, I think it was myself, myself, Parker, Jonathan, Tara, Forrest, and Mary Grace is who all I believe was there, if memory serves. And he was like, hey, do you guys want to go do a tear offering at this tree I found? So we go down there, and turns out it's actually the same tree that, like, a symbolic, like, well of weird had been opened up, and it was really cool. Um, Jason stood up behind the tree and made his offering and said some things uh, that I really can't remember at the moment, but it was awesome. And everybody just kind of got up there and there was this hole going into the tree, like into the side of the tree where you could literally shove your entire right arm into the tree, just down in this hole. And 
at first, whenever I first walked up and I saw the hole, I was like, somebody's going to get snake bit. Like for sure. Someone's going to get a cotton mouth on their hand, but nobody seemed to care. We all just jumped up there and did our thing. Uh, I actually intended to not make an offering and make an offering on my own at the same place later. But there were a few people who I have never known to do any interactions with Tyr who were there and they made offerings. Parker being the biggest one. Parker has practically no interactions with uh, the Asir gods as far as I know, but he got out there and he made an offering to Tyr. So at the end of it, after everybody went, I felt it, I felt it call to me as Tyr is my patron for me to get up there and just be like, you know, we're all here to see you. We're all here to offer you. We're all here to ask for your guidance in being courageous and being, you know, people who live honorably and make our choices according to right action. And I made an offering, actually snatched a necklace off my neck that ended up cutting my neck open. Uh, it was it was a really good thing. Like, I really enjoyed it. I ended up back out there a couple hours later making my own offering, but it was awesome. Uh, one thing, because we keep on going back to the hell thing. Uh, one last thing I want to say about the hell's bloat uh, is the treacherous journey out there. Like, it was not easy to get out there. You had to walk across a log. You had to cr- climb under stuff, climb over stuff, go over a barbed wire fence. Uh, it was pretty crazy out there, but we can we need to keep going. But uh, I thought that was really cool. But on the tears bloat, I think the thing that was – the most powerful for me being in a, a, a true, you know, very strict Odin follower is I don't typically work with tier. Um, you know, I, it's kind of like with you, Chris, you know, at first you were very tier and then you started switching over to Odin. Uh, and I think it's like, we were, we're going through similar feelings. Uh, but when I watched that, that tears bloat, the thing that really stuck out to me is I wish I did it. I was sitting there recording and I'm like, I really wish I had something to give because honestly it was such an honorable ceremony. It was such a powerful way to honor him. Um, to stick your entire arm into this unknown abyss. And everyone I've talked to said that that hole just felt weird. Like your your arm almost went numb the moments went in there. Um, and something Forrest and Parker both told me is that it felt like their entire arm went to sleep the moment it went to that tree. Um, and so I think it's a very powerful statement to anyone that watches such a thing is that when you see that, you're like, wow, I wish I would have honored Tyr because it was just such a such a powerful, just small ceremony. Yeah, for sure. That that feeling happened, uh, as far as I could tell, to everyone. Like, as soon as they stuck their arm in there, it was either tingles or it was some type of numbness. And Parker, for like five hours afterwards, was telling me that, like, he had, like, this this tinge in his wrist, in his right wrist, for, like, five hours afterwards. And he kept on asking me, he's like, is this normal? Is this, like, a tear thing? I'm like, yeah, bro, that's a tear thing. Um, so to keep it flowing, um, sure. What was your day three experience like? And if, if you want to uh, bleed into the fire ritual, I'm cool with that. But, uh, how was day three for you? Day three for me was, uh, unique. Uh, I, I really did more connection wise. Like I didn't go into the woods much that day. Uh, I just kind of spend time with the folk talking with a lot of the different people and getting to know a lot of them. And, uh, I do remember going into the fire ritual, like that one, that, that moment there was just otherworldly to like sit there and, and be able to participate in that. And then like you've seen in the trailer, like all of us with, with the flames and the torches and everything like that was a surreal moment. Just seeing all 30 of us pagans just standing there with the flames to spread the fire that of this faith 
and that's I think the goal that we're we're gonna have is set forth is now to not really hide in the broom closet, so to speak, but to wear the faith proudly to show off what the gods have done for us through this weekend. So have you all realized that I put a spell on every single one of you? Is that what this is? This constant feeling? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely it definitely has felt different ever since that, like kind of going into that fire ritual. Um, yeah, it was a very surreal moment. And it was also kind of a, also like a bittersweet moment as well, because for multiple reasons, because one, it kind of marked the the end of the weekend for the most part. And then two, it it definitely marked the beginning of, you know, all of the regional gatherings really starting. And, you know, who knows when all of us that were at the fall gathering will potentially meet again in person and be at another gathering like that. So it's definitely a, it was a very, I don't I'm trying to find the right words for it. Like besides bittersweet, it was also a very intense moment, you know, to, to start this new journey with, all the regions and and everything like that but i know a big part of like afterwards it threw me in a <laughs> jacob just ran and grabbed his antler hat that caleb made him i do remember that almost falling off that was that was a good save um but uh yeah it was afterwards i remember because we all went down to the lake to put our torches out and I just remember there was actually three of us that were standing on the hill that were overlooking that pond. I keep calling it a lake, but it was a pond. It was myself, Jason, and Dylan. Uh, the three of us were just standing on that hill, staring up at the moon, because the moon was bright that night. I remember that distinctly. Like, it was very, very bright. And the three of us were just staring at it for, I don't even know how long. And then I remember walking back up the hill, and then, Jacob, you had one of your, like, come with me moments, but you didn't say anything. I just was, I started walking up to the fire and then watching everybody that was kind of dancing around. And from my right, Jacob just walks over by me, turns his head, looks at me, nods his head. I nod my head. And without saying anything, like we just kind of wandered off and had a little bit of a conversation. But yeah, if you put a spell on us, it wouldn't surprise me because that's kind of how things just happened. Gave you all the fire of the gods. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I do want to, you know, this is something I asked for us as well. It's like, I really want to know what you guys felt of the ritual because I think we can all agree on one thing and it's the fact that I wasn't there. I was not in attendance to my own fire ritual. The, the thing that I got from it, which I, I was there as like, as a protector thing. Um, like I didn't, I was getting vibes from you and it was like, I could tell, I could tell that you weren't there, but I didn't get like a God or nothing like that. I, did, I got like a strong ancestor. Vibe. I got a strong ancestor vibe from the whole thing. I really think whenever you summon the ancestors in the faith, they came and in full force. Um, and I think that's my, that may have been why Elvigan kept coming up and kept coming up. Especially like even on my drive home, Elvigan came up. And shoot. That was emotional. I know I was singing, I was singing something back across that bridge whenever that hit me. But it was, uh, I still, it still gets me whenever I, I saw that rag and I just saw that glowing, like greenish flame going around your, where your eyes were supposed to be. That still gets me. A little bit on the, the idea behind it. So essentially for, you know, the people listening to this and, you know, haven't watched the video yet, which you should be watching the video right now. Um, so the fire ritual is a very 
visceral experience. And just like Ian was saying, because, you know, this might be the last time we all see each other for a long time, or at least, you know, in a very group way like that. I mean, you know, like the Southern gathering, I don't know when I'm going to see a lot of those people, um, especially like Texas and the Pacific people. It's like, we really don't know. Um, so I, the ritual to me was all about the fire and that's the entire idea behind the weekend was spreading the fire. Um, and so the quote unquote spell I put on everyone was just truly passing the fire of the gods to everyone. And, and just as you know, you've hit, you know, said, you know, not hiding in the closet, carrying it. And it's something I think we're all struggling with um, is hiding it now. Like we talk to normal people and it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel real. Um, we want to be our true selves because now we've experienced what our true selves are. Um, and we have that fire in our heart and it's up to us to maintain that fire, but also our, our duty and our honor to spread that fire to others, because we have found an answer to happiness, uh, but also to, you know, to life. Um, so that fire is a curse in the sense that it's hard to put out and, uh, it definitely keeps you awake at night at some times, but I mean, it's also the greatest gift. And it's something I realized starting this path as well is that fire of the gods is something that is worth fighting for. So when I woke up Monday morning. I literally felt like I had an inferno burning in my chest. Did anybody else have that when they woke up? Okay, I'm just trying to make sure I wasn't the only one in crazy. Because, I mean, that was the weirdest feeling. It was amazing. And I still kind of feel like that when I wake up. The fire ritual for me was, it was something else. Um, I remember at one point we were all on the back porch and I walked up to Babushka and like, I could already feel it. I could already feel that energy and that power. And I walked up to Babushka or grandma or blade, whatever you prefer to call him. And I just grabbed a drum and handed it to him and took his offering out of his hand. And I was like, play, I'll give you this later. So he just starts playing. And from that point, all the way up until about the point that Caleb, walked up to me and grabbed me and was like hey uh i see like where you're headed with this but you might want to back out of it a little bit he was like i think he said something along the lines of uh some other folks might need me later or something like that which turned out to be incredibly true um i don't actually remember anything but i do hear stories from people and i have seen a couple of pictures of me and honestly it's it creeps me out. Like it's haunting seeing pictures of like myself and not realizing that I was there or that I was in that state that I was in. Like other people told me about it and I was like, "Eh, yeah, sure. And then Jacob, you sent me a picture and I was like, no way, dude. Like I sent it directly to Jonathan after that. And I was like, tell me what's wrong with this picture. And he's like, dude, he's like, you look like you're about to attack me. Like it was just crazy how primal a lot of us got. So it was, it was a big thing. I know that I had an offering that I gave. I don't remember what I said during the offering, but I do remember like the intentions that I had set for that offering. Cause I started working on that offering for the fire ritual the day before, whenever I actually went and got that bottle. So. Yeah. Chris, going back to what you said about the, the primal thing, definitely like, after the fire ritual, I definitely felt like Odin's warriors were there. Like, you know, all the great warriors that we've seen on TV that they've reenacted or the tales we have in the saga. I felt like I, I felt the connection like to Ivar or Buren or Ragnar. Like I felt their energy and like the very primal essence, like you would before a battle is how I felt after that fire ritual. Uh, one of the things that, you know, 
uh, Baker, you said, you know, calling to the ancestors. That's kind of what I felt like. Like when I was on that rock with the antlers on my head, with my face painted, with my beard dyed, um, I felt like I had just gotten risen from the ground by Odin, just like he did to hear the, the saga, of, you know, Volispa, you know, rising the dead from, you know, traveling to hell and rising the dead to, to hear them speak. That's kind of how I felt is the, you know, like someone traveled back to, you know, like Norway and rose up a dead shaman and was like, tell me the tales of the gods. And that's kind of the idea behind it, but also what just kind of happened. Um, you know, and I was saying this on Forces podcast as well. It's like the only thing I planned was the German. Um, everything else came to me in that exact moment. And it's like, that I just knew that's the, those are the things I needed to say. So uh, as we get closer to, I, I want to end this podcast here pretty soon because it's been going for a while and uh, there's going to be a lot of content on the fall gathering. Um, is there anything else we want to add before we uh, start closing this out? Something I'd like to say, and it, it, it's probably, I mean, there was a lot of changes that happened for me because of this weekend. Um, a lot of life changes, a lot of perspective changes, a lot of faith and practice changes too. But the one thing that I walked away from this weekend with absolutely no doubt in my mind, and it's changed how I talk to people about this faith and about this, about our gods. I always knew that my faith was real and I always knew that it was that the gods and the Lambeteer and the ancestors and everything associated with the ethereal in this faith always knew they were powerful. This weekend showed me that I had absolutely no idea how just rawly and potently powerful these things, these, these spirits and these manifestations actually are like, I mean, it was mind blowing to walk within 20 feet of those woods and your whole body just twinge because there was power there i never realized that it could be that powerful i never realized that they could be that magical so i think i actually had um i think i've had my most i'm trying to think of the thing of the word for it dynamic change after this gathering other than maybe other than maybe a star it's because it it opened my eyes to everything and it was just amazing though the brotherhood and everything like that we had in just a short amount of time something about something about having that beast come out of me it knocked down so many things inside of me i didn't even know that i had and like i was telling some of the other guys i think maybe maybe while you were getting your drink earlier Jacob, before we started the whole thing was that um i'd never really truly experienced love until after i came back to this gathering and it sounds like an odd thing. It's just for the longest time, it was like, after, I can't, I think it was after my uncle died or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see. Um, I think it might have been after my uncle died. I put up all like these walls inside my, like around my heart or whatever, quote unquote, um, to try to keep myself from getting hurt. And I thought I took all those down, but I have. And this week has just been, it's been really nice and amazing. I didn't know what that, what that feeling truly felt like until after. I think something, you know, my last thing I want to leave with it, everyone with, um, and everyone else can still talk to, but is just how loving this community actually is. Um, and it's something that um, Will, who is uh, Casey's boyfriend there, um, he's not a pagan, uh, nor do I think he's interested in being a pagan. He just wanted to see what we do. Um, he's open to, you know, religions. He's open to faiths. Um, he wants to see what this whole Norse paganism thing is about. Um, and even he, he, I mean, he was so blown away by how kind everyone was, how much 
community there was, how much we would do anything for one another. I know every single person at that gathering would do anything for any other person at that gathering. And that's not something you get everywhere in this world anymore. Um, I mean, the, uh, the bonds between everyone that left that place, I mean, considering a lot of those people were strangers, you know, they'd never met in real life is just amazing. I mean, even Andrew, we make fun of the poor kid, but we also gave him a bed. You know, you brought him inside, Chris. Uh, you know, Keenan got invited a day before the gathering and brought three gifts for everyone. Everyone contri uh, contributed to food, um, cleaning up, uh, setting the place back up together. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how much community exists in this, in this, in this faith. Um, and it's truly heartwarming. Definitely. The community is just amazing. Uh, like I said before, whenever I arrived at the gathering, it was like coming home. And uh, I actually got to talk to Casey's boyfriend for a good while and I enjoyed every minute of it because he was just so enamored by how different we were compared to the other faiths and religion. And it was really interesting to see his point of view and how he actually enjoyed himself there that weekend, I think more so than a lot of people would really take away from depending on their point of view or their lifestyle. Yeah. I, it, the whole family thing definitely stuck out um it was i believe saturday morning um saturday, like earlier saturday morning uh, i had a conversation with parker and the two of us were talking about how it just doesn't really feel like it didn't feel like a first meeting like yeah this was for a lot of us this was the first time meeting a lot of each other um in person um but it, it felt more like a a reunion if anything, like, yes, we obviously talk to each other quite often on the Discord and everything like that, but there wasn't too much of an awkwardness between meeting each other at all. Like, it definitely felt very natural and very family-like, and, yeah, that was definitely a big thing, like, coming from it is, I, I, yeah, like you said, Jacob, like, I don't doubt in my mind that if something were to happen, there would be plenty of people that would step up to help one of us, you know, in a time of need. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've taken away from it as having a an a extended family or more so of a family than my own family in some senses. But it was just, it was amazing. The only way that I was able to explain that was uh, I actually made an Instagram post on it. And I was just like, we came together as family and we left as one spirit. And that's the best way that I could ever describe it. And it was absolutely awful having to leave it. But it was i've never had a connection like that with other people like i've got family i've got friends i've got battle brothers from afghanistan but never anything like that don't make me cry man i've cried too much this week but guys i think that's a good way to end the podcast um let's go ahead and start closing this out but if you are interested in what we're doing we are trying to spread it as far and wide as we can we have many gatherings going on the uh the northern hold so our northern region is having a gathering here soon texas is having a gathering here soon the south is having a gathering here soon the east is having a gathering here soon and soon we'll be doing yule so things are happening if you would be like to be a part of the planning process uh, the best way to do that is to join the Wisdom of Odin uh, Patreon community uh, and join the Discord. Now, um, you will be allowed to go to these gatherings, um, even if you're not a Patreon member. Um, it's just if you want to be part of the planning process, this is the best place to do it. Uh, we're still all learning, uh, but we're already doing some pretty magical things. Uh, but if you are interested in being on the Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about, um, we could also probably just talk about the fall gathering for three more episodes. But you never know. So, folk. Until the hall, until the next gathering, 
Let's go. Let's go. go.